I am actively listening, but I am drawing. And like you'll say something, and I'll take a some some point out of your message, and I'll draw I'll draw something that re- re- resembles that, whatever that looks like, and then I'll build off that. So if you don't know my learning style, you think that I'm disconnected. I'm not paying attention. I'm drawing pictures of little people on on my staff agenda. You're 100 right because if you were doing that with me, I'd be like Matt. What are you doing? Like, do, pay attention. Are you, are you with me here? Or and what? you know, the best part too is when you see that, and then you call on me because you think I'm not paying attention. I will have an answer for you. Life experiences that are tangled in leadership. This is the 2120 podcast. You know, we're just two guys that started a podcast over coffee talking about some of the things that we learned through leadership and business. And we decided to make a show about it, bringing you the insights and experiences that you can apply in your work and in your relationships. But we're so glad you're here because passing life lessons on is a gift we can all benefit from. Okay, so let me, we were talking about um, movies and how the characters are like getting into this. I'm going to play something for you. All right. You listening? Mm-hmm. What is this? It's Queen. Oh, I've seen that video. Like this that is, is remarkable. Yeah. So we talked about Joaquin Phoenix getting into the Joker character yeah. and playing this, you know, yeah. we talk about like the Ashton Kutcher and Steve Jobs, like how he got those mannerisms. Right. Like this is when you watch this, it's, like it gives me chills. I know. It's so freaking like I'm. I I feel chills. Like it. This is an incredible the mannerisms movie. and how he plays the piano and how he does all this stuff side by side. He became Freddie Mercury. Hundred percent. But to what we were talking about earlier, how many times did he watch this? How many times did he sit in a room and you know sing along? I mean, his mouth and how he like eats the microphone in some of these things like you look over and like he does the same thing and like like I wanted to see this movie but I thought the movie uh, that had uh, hang on I said Bradley Cooper in it Star is Born yes A Star is Born came out about the same time and I was like all over A Star is Born this movie looks incredible to me and I still hold that but then I saw this and I thought this is a, this is far better like look at how he's singing and how like his mouth is the same opening as oh, I know I mean it's just like it's so dialed in I didn't realize just like I didn't realize how big and influential Johnny Cash was till I watched the movie Walk the Line, and mm-hmm. I've watched that movie a dozen times or more. I did not realize how big and powerful and influential Queen was. They were well, even they were like the when top. you watch this movie and you see all the guys like looking around, going like, "Holy shit! <laughs> like this is a big deal right now." I mean, this Live Aid concert, and it's 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 not COVID. Like there's no social, like they are jammed into this arena where if people jump, like you move because people are jumping around you. And then he grabs like, look at this. It's oh, I, I know. like, it's so like, is his footwork and how. It... Like, look at that. Like, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, it is so perfect. 
in every motion and every gesture and every how he waves his hand and how he does his shoulder thing like it's it's the same person you know, my favorite part in this movie i have a lot of favorite parts of this movie like memorable scenes but i think one of my favorite is when they went and told the producer that they re- recorded bohemian rhapsody and that bohemian or um, that that producer was mike myers and he's like, this is garbage. What is this? Nobody's going to play a six-minute long song. And they're like, you're going to be remembered as the guy who fired Queen. Like, right? Yeah. You know? And I just I thought, thought that was incredible. But, like, you know, like how he throws his fist in the air and he pumps like and he's... Like, how... I mean, it's one thing to memorize a script. It's one thing to take the script and add all the gestures and the mannerisms and playing the character. And then you add this where you have to recreate every every motion, every footstep that Freddie made and package them all together and deliver deliver this product in front of people that are like aren't, aren't there. Like they're all CGI'd in. You know, I'm sure they had some some in the in the, in the audience, but you're you're doing this like this this scene, like look at everybody. Like, there's not that many people there. Like he's just doing it, and like he he turned into a rock star. You know, it was just it was so it was such it was done so well. And I like, I literally just watched it a couple couple weeks ago. All right, how many times have you watched it? One. I need to watch oh. it again. Like I need to watch it multiple times because I'm sure I missed things that you know were crucial in in the movie, but. Yeah, it was just the other part that I love too is when he he persuades the band. You know, they're making fun of his teeth and how he looks, and then he's like, "Look!" and they're like, "Whoa!" Like maybe you should do this. And then they get out there to do their first concert, and he goes and becomes himself, like this, this, or or becomes something else. Yeah, and they're like, "What the hell?" And we don't like you. You know, what are you doing? And then they see the the fans everybody in that room start to go insane yeah yeah it's it, it was a it was a good movie it was done well but yeah it's against it's character all, like to me like again the cool stuff about a movie like that is it's against the odds his dad told him he you know like go do something that's actually going to be productive you know his he was an embarrassment for his dad for a while yeah and then like the the it see at the end where they're the family's watching live and you can just you see they cut to the dad and you could just see like the proud of like he made it he did like he 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 did everything he wanted to do and he's my son and like like that all went away but yeah you you saw it early on where it's like ooh like I don't want you doing this you should not be doing this but like it happens in life too like real life every day you know like you know certain cultures you will be a doctor you'll be a lawyer you're going to be this you're not going to be a social media guru you're not going to be this like that's not in your cards and they just choose to either do that because that's what mom and dad tell them to do, or they say, "Nope, I'm done. I, I'm leaving." And they change. They do something totally different. But guidance counselors at school tell you different things. Mm-hmm. Got to go to college. Uh, uh, careers in this industry, it's tough. You might not make it. Like, there's all these things that just you hear and you're bombarded with. And if you don't have like that strong inner compass to want to pursue it. How many dreams have been have been killed? You know, I got to say this because this is one of my favorite quotes ever. Do you know who Les Brown is? You ever listen to Les yes, Brown? I, yes, I do. Right. So he says, the richest place in the world aren't the 
gold mines in Africa. They're not the oil fields in Texas or in the Middle East. The richest place in the world is a cemetery because that's where millions of dreams have gone and died. <laughs> and what a profound statement. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm sure we've all, I'm sure you've killed dreams. I'm sure I've killed dreams. Like finding ways to say yes instead of saying no. I killed dreams for myself, but I've killed dreams for others. A hundred percent. That's the ones. hundred percent. Yeah. Like they, looking back, it, it sucks. Like someone comes to you with something and you tell them no right out of the gate. Like you, you just, you, you basically just gave them the 30 second pitch idea and you said, Nope, that's not going to work. And Oh, okay. And they leave. I mean, how many, and we, we can go down just crazy road of like, inventions that people said that will never work, that will never catch on. And now they're game changers for our, for our world and for how things are getting done. But someone said, no, we can't do that. No, that's never going to work. You know, how many times does a part-timer or full-timer come to you and say, Hey, I have a great idea for us to do that. Ah, yeah, I've been there, done that. That's that's never going to work. We tried that before. We tried that two years ago. It didn't work. Well, now it's different. Yeah, time times have changed and like we're smarter now and we've we've seen things differently but it's so easy to say no. It's I mean it's it's two letters. You no know, and it's done. It's over. So there is a quote uh Andy Stanley, I think I've shared it with you before. When somebody comes to you with an idea, most of us want to ask how is that going to happen? So Matt, you come to me, you've been you're kind of excited and you come to me and you've got this incredible idea and you start to share it with me and my instant reaction, even though I haven't said anything yet, is like, that will never work here. How is he going to have time to do that? God, he's had some clouds again. Oh, and I'm not, I mean, I, these are the things that are going in my head. And so at the moment that, that now you're excited and you're looking at me and, and I'm, I'm, maybe I'm nodding with you and then you stop and you're waiting for my response and I go, how is that going to work? <laughs> and, and so Andy so Stanley deflating. says, right. And so Andy Stanley says, don't say how say, wow, wow. You've really thought about that. Mm-hmm. T- like, tell me how you see this going. So now I'm entering into a discussion rather than if I go with a how Im- immediately, you're like, well, I don't know yet. I don't know how it's going to work. Right. And so, well, yeah, well, that's the thing is we've got this, this, and this going on. I don't see how that could possibly fit into this. You know, great idea. Keep thinking on stuff, Matt, but I just shot you down. Andy Stanley says, come back to them with, wow, I, I can see you're really passionate about that. I don't, like, tell me, tell me more about it. Mm-hmm. And so now you can engage in it, even if it's a horrible idea, even if it's like we're going to go in and uh, – I want to paint every street in this town blue because I think blue will make everybody happier. Could be the stupidest idea ever, but you're trying not to kill it right away because what you're trying to do is build this relationship. Like, okay, why did you get there? What are you really trying to? Well, think about like, like staff meetings and brainstorming sessions. A brainstorming session has to be no judgment like we're just going to let our brains go. Here's it's here. supposed to be that. It's supposed to be that way, right? Where it's like, okay, here's the here's the task. This is what we have to figure out today. How are we going to make this work? Nothing's off the table. I want you thinking outside the box. Let's get it going. And who's got the first idea? And if you have the first idea, and seventeen other people around the table go, oh, that was stupid. 
what a moron. Mm-hmm. Like either physically saying it or visually saying it with, with, with your body. I'm going, oh, those guys don't like my idea. So then what do I do now? I'm just going to sit in the corner and not say anything because I don't want judgment coming down on me where all I'm doing is trying to get the creative process rolling and saying, okay, here's what my brain says. Here's what I'm thinking right now. Here's what it looks like. We can do this. How do we do this? Um, go. But if I look around, and I look at Jim and Jim's going, what a freaking moron. Like, and then you didn't say that out loud, but I just saw the way you, you know, kind of closed your eyes, shook your head back and forth. No, I just went, oh, okay. Now, if you're a stronger level leader than I am, a higher level ranking leader, and he just like visually squashed my idea, like, well, he's like, he's better than me. So like, there's no way that, okay, I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. Yeah. Clearly I didn't think this through. Oh yeah. It must've been me. Like, yeah, stupid. Like, duh. And I, and it makes me think of Chris Farley when he goes and pulls his hair out. He yeah. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's devastating. It is. And, and like, you almost have to, if you're the leader, you know, setting the, the, the brainstorming session up, you have to say, this is like, this is a judgment free zone. Like I, we need your ideas. We want you to brainstorm. You're going to hear something that may sound stupid to you, but maybe we can evolve it into something better. Nothing's off the table outside of the box thinking that's the criteria. Here's our problem. Let's fix it. Go. And sometimes like you sit there at first and nobody says anything, right? Who's got the first idea? And you look, kind of look around and you see people kind of lean a little bit, but then they, they kind of, they sit back because they've been in positions before where they've dropped an idea and it got squashed. So why be vulnerable? Why say something when in the back of your mind, it may get squashed. I'm just going to sit here and let somebody else take the lead and, and talk. But the, the crazy thing is a leader, if it was me or you, I, I need to get conversation rolling. So I may not ask, okay, who has the first idea? I may say, Hey Jim, what are your thoughts? What do you think we should do? And pick someone that is quiet, pick someone that doesn't say a whole lot, but has the ability to lead this conversation and get the ball rolling, I'm going to put you in a position to have to force you to talk. And if I do a good job and you go, well, I I think we should do it this way. And this is what I'm thinking. We can get it rolling because then the person next to them, that's just as new as they are, feels comfortable because Jim said something. So now I'm talking before you know it, you have four or five people like starting to bounce ideas off each other. And then you grab a marker and you're on the right board and you're, you're drawing things the hour meeting brainstorming session has a fully populated whiteboard of ideas of what we can do and how we can attack it right, wrong, or indifferent. You have tons of ideas that came out of a a session that got what you wanted. Now we may not be truly dialed into what we need to do, but we have the ideas now to figure out where we could go next. That is sessions that I love to be a part of because it forces you to think differently. It forces you to um, use your brain in a way that challenges it because no idea is wrong. We just got to find the best idea to get there together. And if you rely on just your high level thinkers, like you may have some diamond in the rough that's in, on, in your staff room that just, man, like, whoa, where'd you come from? That's a great idea. People that uh, yeah, I'm just thinking about those those chairs in that room. You've been in a room like that before, mm-hmm. right? And there's probably a piece of paper and or people have their notebooks with them. And if you're the guy or the person, the gal that is sharing 
taking that risk and being vulnerable and throwing out an idea. And maybe you're a first one to go, or maybe yours is completely different. When you read the room, this is where you have to have a lot of inner confidence because as you're watching what others are doing, the people, you can, you can read it, right? So they're looking down, maybe they're doodling, maybe they've got that little smirk on their face. There he goes again. There she goes again. And, and you have, it's almost like you need to go pound the table and say, listen to this. I've got something here. I just, I just want you to indulge in a train of thought for a minute. It's like, no, don't stop, stop dueling. Like, this is the thing. And it's like changing the culture of the room. It's, it's, it's to say, we always do this. We come together. We say we're going to bring ideas. We say we want new angles and new approaches and new thoughts. And yet, when I watch the room, every one of you in this room right now is going, you're freaking crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, and that takes a, a lot of courage because you could lose your job that day depending on what that environment's like. And it's like, am, is it worth the risk? Am I going to fight for this? Or am I just going to roll over and be passive again? You know, like uh, I'm thinking about me, like in staff meetings, when you look at my staff agenda, when it's all done, I have doodles all over it. I, I, I draw, I, you know, I, so I, you're a doodle. I'm a doodle. Because it helps you think. Absolutely. Like it's, it's all in a positive way. Now I am actively listening, but I am drawing and like, you'll say something and I'll take a, some, some point out of your message and I'll draw, I'll draw something that re- re- resembles that, whatever that looks like. And then I'll build off that. So if you don't know my learning style, you think that I'm disconnected. I'm not paying attention. I'm drawing pictures of little people on, on my staff agenda. You're hundred percent right. Because if you were doing that with me, I'd be like, Matt, what are you doing? Like dude, pay attention. Are you, are you with me here? Or and what? You know, the best part too is when you see that and then you call on me because you think I'm not paying attention, I will have an answer for you. Like I'll, cause I, cause I'm actively listening during the entire time. I'm not completely like my brain's turned off and I'm just like drawing cartoon characters and waiting for staff to get over so I can go what do whatever. Like I'm physically listening, but as a, from a presenter standpoint, if you don't know how I, my brain processes, you're like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like he's drawing a freaking character on his, on a sheet of paper. Now I also am Physically, my body's changing too. Like I'll smile, I'll smirk, I'll, I'll do things. It's usually in a positive way. I'm like, yes, this is, this is good. Like, I like this. But it's so easy on the other end if you know, you're reading the room and someone like closes their eyes and like just shakes their head back and forth. Just literally a two-second gesture. Yeah, and it can be really subtle. Yep, and you catch it and you go, ooh, he doesn't like this idea. Where maybe he likes the idea, but he just doesn't like the direction that the idea is going perfect but you don't know because you just you see a snapshot in time a two second shake head back and forth eyes closed and you go oh he's done he's out well he's not he's just he's processing things or you you know you see just the the guy who yawns and like looks up at this looks up oh he's bored he doesn't want to be here right now but no he's just like he's just stretching like he's like everything's different that's where good leaders keep everybody engaged in that room. So when you see those gestures, I look over in Jim and go, Jim, what are you thinking right now? Well, I like where you're going with this, but what if we did this instead? Yes. I like that. Yeah, that's a great idea. And then it evolved into something else. And you start talking again and you see Matt in the back, you know, yawn and stretch. All right, let's like, I tell you what, let's take two seconds. Everybody stand up. Let's stretch it out a little bit. And it's like, 
Maybe that's just what he needed. He needed just a little, you've been sitting in a chair for two hours. It's let's get up, get the blood flowing. Like right now, like we've been sitting here for, I don't know, an hour plus and my butt's starting to get numb. Like I need to move around a little bit. Yeah. You read the room, figure out kind of what everybody's thinking. But man, like strong leadership teams. No, they know on my team, every, every Tuesday in staff, Matt's agenda will be full of doodles. They know this because I do it every Tuesday in staff and it helps my brain process. But the team knows that because we've been doing, we've been together for so long. We know what, what's happening. It's tough when you are a presenter in a brand new room and you have no idea what everybody's little quirks and traits and things like those little catch-alls are. And you're looking around going, well, he's definitely doesn't like what I'm saying. She's all about it. Like she's leaning in wants more. This guy, like he's not even in the room right now. He, he's thinking about vacation cause he's leaving in two days. Like, all these things come into play and the ideas that you're trying to pull out of them are never going to be as impactful unless you completely set the stage from, from the get go and saying, okay, judgment free zone, 30 minutes of just us brainstorming. We need ideas right now. Let's fill the board. I mean, think about back in the day when there was newspapers and you brought your ideas for the front page article, who's getting the front page and everybody pitches their idea. Some get squashed because they need to be squashed. Some, some people start asking questions and it evolves into something. What if we added this? And what if we got them involved and we interviewed this person? And then there's your front page article. But it came with an idea. You pitched your idea. And at the end of the day, the editor gets to decide which, which direction we're going based on the best pitch. It's no different when you're trying to make systems better in your business. You know, let's, we, the, here's the problem we're having right now. We need to find a solution. This next 30 minutes is us figuring out the solution I want ideas. Jim, what do you think? And then the, the conversation starts. Mm-hmm. They're, they're some of my favorite meetings to be a part of because that's the way my brain thinks. Like, I, like, I love problem solving. I like, I like finding ways to do something better or making it, make it easier for our crew. We, so, need, we need more of that. So there's a strong case for why StrengthsFinder is so huge, right? What did you just say? I love solving problems. In your top five, I can't think, I can't remember if it's number one for you. But it's, you have restorative. Yeah. You have a natural gift. Your brain is turning on how to solve a problem. That's when you're at your best. And if you are bored, and this is Mark Moyer also, right? Yeah. Mark is the same way. He's got restorative. When you're, when you're bored or like there isn't a problem to solve, you're going to look for problems, which can be like on the basement side of that strength, sure. right? But that's, so now if you know why people um, are slower to speak, it's because maybe they have analytical and strategic and they're sitting, or well, probably not strategic, but analytical and they're sitting there processing everything and they've got to like, okay, for us to do this, that means this, I would want to know the research on this, the data on this before we move. So I'm going to be a slower processor versus the person that say is strategic and they have this ability just naturally to see the path. They know the plan and they've already sifted through about nine of them mm-hmm. and they know the right way to go. And so they're ahead of everybody else. And the non-strategic thinkers are, are still trying to figure out how to execute it. Who would we include? And the, and the strategic person now is becoming impatient, especially if it may be paired up with something like activator. What the hell are we still sitting around for? Let's just We've go. Got a plan. I got it figured out. I want to go. Just listen to me. Yeah. You know, and so, so again, that's why, um, you know, if you really want to develop people, you have to know what makes them exceptional. Oh, for sure. And, it, you know, as a leader right now, I can't call on the person that, that needs time to process right out of the gate. Because 
they're not ready. No. And that's, that's the easiest and way to kill a conversation. Yeah. And like, yeah. if I say, Hey Jim, what are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, I don't know enough yet to even talk right now. So I, like, and then I lost them. And then it's like, okay, perfect. You kill the conversation. Like you need to start out with someone that has that, that brain that has the ideas already spinning around there and going, all right, I need, I need Jim to get me started. I know Jim will always have the good ideas. Let's start with Jim. And then five minutes in, I'm going to pull on this person because they'll, they'll have more information. Now they'll be able to process things a little bit better. We can get their brain working now. You know, and again, this is the other thing too, is, is when we're sitting down to do things, um, to solve a problem, uh, we need to grow this year. How are we going to do these things? Uh, leaders who are inexperienced will, will often do this. They'll come into a room ready with three options and then put those three options on the table and let people essentially come to a vote. What's the best option. But the smartest people in that room are going, I don't know if those three are the right. Like, how did we get there? So the right way to do it is to come into that meeting, not with three solutions, but with the problem and then the vision of where we want to go. Matt, what do you think? John, what do you think? Susan, what do you think? Mm-hmm. You know, and now we're starting to solve it together. And ultimately, we're not trying to make decisions on a committee like by vote. What we're, well, the leader ultimately has to make that final decision. And it could be Susan's idea, or it could be John's idea, or it could be Matt's idea, or it might be the leader's original idea. And because they're ultimately responsible for it, they may need to campaign and, and bring others into it and say, listen, these are great ideas. Let me share why I think what we need to do is maybe a, a pull them together, right? We're not going to, I mean, a, a poor leader would say, well, we're going to go with my idea because mine, mine's better. You know, a smart leader, a savvy leader is going to be able to say, I like where you got here. Let's pull these together because I think we were missing one key piece of information. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And now we can get some buy-in behind it. But everybody had a sense of doing it together instead of coming in with these preconceived ideas for solutions. I've always been like, I, I hate sitting in that meeting where somebody comes into the, to the room with this one or two solutions to a major problem. And you look at him and you go, you are really narrow sighted on this. You are missing the bigger issue. There's this underlying thing that we just keep pushing under the table and it's, I'm going to check out. I've lost respect for that leader, Mm -hmm. especially if I've seen it multiple times. Well, I think, you know, leaders find ways to give stuff to their people, you know, and a leader can have their idea. It's the leader's idea because they're a visionary, but it becomes your idea and your thought process. And when you say after the meeting's done, Hey, that was a great idea you brought to the table. What? No, you, it was your idea, but I got you to buy into it and take it and run with it. And you, you made it better. So you took a thought that I may have had, but you made it great. Like it's, it's, it's one of those things where you make them feel that it was their idea. Like from, from the get go, like I hear, here's what I think we should do. I'm the leader. This is my thought. But the way we go about it is you're going like, I just stole that idea. This is my idea now. And I'm, I'm taking it and I'm, I'm running with it and I'm, I'm, I'm making it better. That's a win for me. Like it may have been my idea from, from the start. I just got the conversation started. You took, you took this big thing of dough and you turned it into these amazing cookies. Now, like I just brought the dough. 
Yeah. You, you did, you added everything else that made these amazing chocolate chip monster cookies that are so good, are so great right now. All I did was just planted a little bit of the seed. That's a really great, I, I can't remember. Did you say you've done a training using that before? No, oh, the cookies. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, it's a really great idea and it's, and it's almost like sometimes you're going to bring in the, the vision of what would make the best cookie, <laughs> you know? We, I want to make the best tasting cookies that we could sell and make our customers happier. Or we'll give them away. We'll create these little tins or something. And, oh, I've got this great recipe. And somebody starts chiming in. And they bring elements to it. Yep. Well, I'm Matt. I'm Jim. We'll see you next week. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the 2120 Podcast. Hey, everyone. This is Jim. And Matt and I want to ask you for a favor. If you've gotten something out of these conversations... If you've been entertained, or maybe you've learned something valuable that will help you improve or your business improve, then the best way to pay us back is to like this podcast, give us a review, and let others know about it. And that will help fuel our fire to keep going and keep bringing you awesome content. We'll see you next time.